Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RIA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today's Finlip by EWA podcast, we've got Bryce Conway, a uh, good friend, uh, amazing client, and has really uh, personally helped me save. I've counted up, Bryce. You've saved me $250,000 plus uh, on travel costs over the last like decade, so can't thank you enough. I Well, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you starting off with that amazing statistic. That's incredible. It's got to be one of the highest numbers of any single person I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on and excited yeah. to talk about points, miles, travel and all the things. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, if you don't mind, give us, so, um, you, when I first met you, uh, you were like a full time, like you had a, a normal job, um, out mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. So just give us a quick background on how you, cause now like you run 10 X travel. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey and then, you know, let's get into 10 X travel and what, what exactly you guys do, uh, for all your <laughs> all your viewers, readers, et cetera. Yeah. Happy to. Uh, so to, to, I guess to start the story, we have to go back to even before I first met you and was working that job, my kind of points and miles journey, if you will, started, uh, in college trying to save money for spring break senior year. I was like a, a pretty broke college kid. I went to Ohio state. I was looking at like spring break options. Uh, like in, it was actually about this time of year, Christmas holiday was coming up. And it started with just Google searches. Like, how do I save money on travel? Like, how can I actually afford spring break? I was trying to look for one of these like mythical opportunities that at least back then you'd hear about where like, hey, if you take a, a last minute bag for someone, uh, they'll pay for some of your airfare. If you travel with like a wealthy family and take photos for them, they'll they'll subsidize your trip. So I was trying to find one of those and, and didn't even find any mention of that being real or, or any really good advice at all. It was the usual, like, you know, travel on Tuesdays and clear your cookies on your browser and, you know, nothing actually impactful. So I was disappointed. And I remember thinking like, all right, I'm going to have to go home for spring break uh, as a senior in college and just hang out with my parents. And that, that's, that doesn't sound fun. But from that point forward, I noticed basically every ad I saw anywhere on the internet was for travel credit cards, just, and all the headlines were just, just so appealing to me based on my situation. It was like, open this card and we'll give you two free flights or 60,000 points, whatever that means. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Like I can, I can deal with the consequences. I know there's probably a bad thing that's going to happen, but I just want the good thing now. So I clicked on one of the ads and it was, I think it was for the Southwest credit card offering two free flights. And I applied and I thought I'm a college student. I, my only income is that I'm a tour guide. There's no way I'm going to get this card. I did. I was like immediately approved. Um, used it to buy like textbooks for the following semester, which like triggered the the spend and the bonus to be given. And lo and behold, I actually got two free flights. I was like expecting like some caveat or downside. No, two free flights, you know, use them how you want. So I then quickly realized, okay, let's not just do like a basic spring break. Let's use both these free flights, right? College thinking, young, you know, kind of risky uh, guy. I was like, I'm going to go to Florida for the first half of spring break. And then I'm going to fly from Florida to Vegas for the second half of spring break. And then I'm going to fly from Vegas home. And it, that all worked out with like the points and miles booked it. I was amazed. Went on the trip. Um, was able to kind of like, you know, stay with other people who are already going, save money in other ways, but made it happen. And it was awesome. And I came back and I was like, all right, now for the pain. Like, I don't know what bad is going to happen, but like something has to, because you don't just get that kind of thing for free. So like, all right, my credit score is probably shot. Check my credit. It went up. Like, That's weird. You open a credit card and use it as a college kid and your credit goes up. Odd. Okay. But maybe the bank is going to like be upset with me. No, they send me more offers for better cards, uh, like pre-approved and something. Okay. Weird. I'm like, maybe the cops will come or something, knock on the door. Nothing bad happened. So I just had the kind of natural thought of like, why wouldn't I kind of do that again? Like just open a new card to get a bonus, use it to travel. Looks like all good things happen. Uh, still skeptical. So I started Googling things around that. Like, why can't I just open a bunch of credit cards and travel for free? And that's when I discovered that, you know, I wasn't the first person to think of this. There's communities like Flyer Talk and Reddit, people kind of sharing ideas on how to do this. So kind of fell down that rabbit hole and that became like my new obsession. 
So I got really good at kind of points and miles. I was doing this regularly, opening a bunch of cards, earning a bunch of points, and like just traveling everywhere that I wanted to uh, right after college. And like I would take my wife, uh, I guess, you know, girlfriend at the time, we'd go to like Paris for the weekend, uh, come back, you know, we'd, we'd be gone for like 48 hours just because we could. And, and, you know, eventually my friends are all just like, hey, like, how do you do that? Uh, <laughs> I know that you don't have a lot of money and, uh, but like you're taking these extravagant trips and this is in the era where Facebook is real big. So of course I'm like posting about it, posting a bunch of pictures and everyone starts asking me how I do that. And it became almost like a social hindrance, like every happy hour or house party or birthday party I went to, I would inevitably end up sitting in the corner surrounded by, you know, five to eight people all asking kind of the same questions. Like, how does that work? Like, there's no way that that actually is like as easy as you describe. Like, yes, yes, it is. And eventually it got to a point where it became a frustration for me because I couldn't just like enjoy myself out and about. So I kind of like frustratingly put together this email draft of like, here's the basics. And then when someone would uh, approach me in a situation like this, I would kind of use that to get out of it. I'd be like, yeah, cool, like, thanks. I'm going to email this to you. Let's just talk about it next week. Email kept on expanding, expanding, expanding as I'd kind of like adjust it to get ahead of common questions that would come back. And eventually it's just thousands and thousands of words, like this large body of text that teaches this. So a friend of mine uh, approached me and he's like, uh, you, you know, that there'd probably be like a, a market for this, right? You should just PDF that, put it up online and, and sell it. I was like, okay, let's try it. And this is in the era of like when, when online courses and stuff were really big. Uh, a lot of people might remember like that they, they tended to have headlines like, you know, banks hate this guy. Like see how he uses these tricks, like the, that type of era. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I bought getfreeflights.com. I, I put up a, a, a kind of a scammy looking scales sales page. It said like airlines, airlines hate this guy because like he'll teach you tricks to save a bunch of money. And I tried to sell this book for like 49 bucks and it didn't go well. I think I sold like, I don't know, 20 some copies, uh, in the first month, uh, just then they're all the people I kind of encountered, uh, that's no good, but I did get, uh, noticed somehow by ABC news. I got an email from a producer kind of out of the blue and they're just like, Hey, like this looks kind of interesting. Do you want to like come to New York and we'll see like what we can do? Like we'll, we'll film some stuff. We'll see how it goes. So I, I go to New York and they, they surprise me and they're like, okay, actually what we're going to do is like, we're, you're going to fly to Florida now with our, one of our reporters and every step of the way, we want you to kind of show your methods, like your points and miles, your savings. She's just going to be like the everyday person. Let's kind of compare savings. So I was like, oh, that's neat. Did it. And it was very well received. Like they, the way that it worked in news, at least at the time, they would kind of like start small. They'd show it to like focus groups. They'd ask them, is this kind of interesting? And if it was, they'd put it on a slightly bigger channel. Is this interesting? Look at the metrics and keep on going. Well, this thing blew up. Like I was on Good Morning America, ABC World News. Barbara Walters said my name on Nightline. I thought that was like, that was like a lifetime accomplishment at the time. <laughs> and that goes nuts. It was seen by 12 million people according to ABC. And I'm like, all right, this is like, they tell me it's going to be airing like at this time while I was getting married. And I was expecting like, all right, this is it. This is like, I'm going to wake up and check my PayPal account. There's gonna be like a couple hundred thousand bucks in there. And you know, we're going to make it. And I think I sold like 45 books uh, <laughs> from that. So that was, that was a real gut punch. Because is that the book I see in the background there? Yeah, yeah, right here. This is the original like cover. How to travel um, the world for next to nothing, and that you yeah. still have that on your website, I believe, right? The free yeah, resource. that's uh, that's the name of the course now. Yeah, it's no longer a PDF. Uh, we're kind of more more with the times now. Those forty but people yeah. were pissed because they could have gotten it for free now. Anyways, I know, right? Program. Yeah, I should I should probably reach back out and like refund them. Um, but yeah, so uh, so I quickly realized, okay, that's not going to work. If I get free publicity to 12 million people and I sell like 40 copies, like that will never, ever work. I did also get uh, an email from someone at Barclays Bank. And, they, and it was it was kind of funny. It was kind of like, are you the guy that was just on TV? Uh, and if so, like we would really like to talk to you uh, on a conference call. Uh, let's set something up. And I'm just thinking, uh-oh, like I'm, I, I'm probably going to be sued or like, you know, they're going to be very <laughs> upset with me. Cause I'm on the news kind of just talking about how like easy this is like, yeah, hey, you can just open these cards and close them. And like, it's all a piece of cake. So I get on the call and I'm just waiting for, again, something bad to happen. Maybe that's a the theme of, of this business. And, uh, and it was completely the opposite. They were thrilled. They were like, Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Like that was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars of free like media for us with you talking about the card. Uh, would you like to become like a credit card affiliate of ours? 
and there's a long pause by me because I muted the phone and I Google, what is a credit card affiliate? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I quickly read and it's like, oh, they, they want to they pay me uh, to kind of promote their product. This is pre-influencer days. Uh, so unmute. I'm like, absolutely. I was hoping you'd reach out. You know, like I've always <laughs> wanted to become a credit card affiliate. Uh, so they, they kind of onboard me, go through the process and, and set me up to where I get basically like a referral link, but they pay me cash instead of like referral points in a card. But I was able to use that then to go to every other major bank and get, you know, an affiliate relationship with them too. Even though I was tiny, like one man shop, I was still working another job. You know, usually you, you can't even get uh, attention of, of financial institutions like that. But if you say, oh, but I'm working with Barclays, that's kind of like your stamp of approval. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then you go to the next one. I'm working with Barclays and Chase and Amex is like, well, of course. Yeah. So get all the affiliate links and that kind of changed everything. We made the book free because we want to teach people this skill set because if they do it we ultimately win as well um and then that's when the business started to kind of really take off um i i was still doing a lot of this from my day job you know we met at the time uh or i guess this is right around where we met i was able to kind of balance both nights and weekends lunch breaks that kind of thing and it just has been growing 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 ever since we're up to i think we have 11 employee full-time employees now and like 30 contractors who, who do a variety of different things for us and uh but it's all kind of that same I'm still sitting in the corner of a bar, happy hour, teaching people points and miles. I'm just, I'm doing it at scale now and uh, having a lot of fun. That's awesome. I remember the first trip I took after you taught me this was uh, to Hong Kong, then Thailand. We flew business class and state, you had done the Thailand trip before and mm -hmm. you know, you, so basically like the, the flights alone was like, I want to say like $22,000 savings like that. Like, um, and so like I've done that 10 times since like every year. Uh, so that just the easy math, but like, it's been incredible. So now let's talk about 10 X travel. So you're obviously not working your day job anymore. Um, you have, uh, many team members, some of which I'm, you know, personal friends with and work with. And, uh, I'm looking on your Facebook group page and you have, I don't know, like a quarter million people that are active on there, which is crazy. Like I've never seen a Facebook group so big. Um, so what, for the audience, like what exactly do you guys do um, other than just teach people how to, you know, start, start the credit card game? What do you do moving forward? And uh, where do you see 10X travel going from here? Yeah, everything we do kind of builds on education of points and miles. We have, I guess, the, the PDF ebook cover, which is sitting right behind me, has been adapted into a comprehensive online course. It has videos and quizzes and uh, tutorials and, and all sorts of stuff. It'll, it'll teach all the basics. That's kind of what everything starts with. On top of that, we have a, another, a, a number of other paid services where we basically shortcut the process for you. Uh, it's, it's difficult to redeem points and miles. I think most people listening to this who've ever tried to redeem their loyalty points know this. And, th and that's on purpose. Uh, if it were easy, everyone would do it. But if you have, you know, wouldn't it be great if you had like a, an expert, like a Bryce sitting there at happy hour who just gladly opened his laptop and be like, Hong Kong? Yes. How many people? Okay, I'll do this for you. So we got that question a lot. And we're like, okay, let's just launch a paid service where we have kind of our points nerds, take your points and book flights for you. And that has taken off. It's, it's our award booking service. There's a link to it right there on the homepage. It's as simple as fill out a form, tell us what points you have, where you want to go. And we'll have some of the best points and miles minds on the planet kind of go through and book as if it was their trip. So they'll help you optimize for plane types and like those really high end products that you see on probably on social media, like the lie flat seats, the suites, like the caviar, all that kind of stuff. So we, we help people redeem their points. We have a membership program where you can actually get uh, consult calls on zoom with us, ask questions, kind of someone will look over your specific situation and help, but it's all kind of revolving around that teaching that skill uh, of points and miles. We have, you, you, of course, would be what we call, I guess, a power user. There's not many who have taken it quite to the scale that you have over the yeah. length of time that you have. But we see, you know, every day, every hour, really, like just completely normal people who will post in the Facebook group or email us who are like, oh, my goodness, like six months ago, I thought this was a crazy scam, like like I did when I was starting. Now we just booked, uh, you know, Q Suites to the Maldives and uh, we're going in two months. And it's, it's, it's wild to see that type of transition happen. Um, I just want to share as, a story real you. quick about, cause like last one, I mean, this is how easy it was to work with you guys. So I, uh, um, a girlfriend, Beth and I were like, let's, where do you want to go? We had all these points built up, but like, like you said, it's like 
they would have taken me probably, I don't know, five or six hours to like figure it all out, search it and stuff like that. So I could, you know, pay your company, um, a nominal fee. And so, you know, Travis who, who helped me, um, book this trip, we had a, um, British Airway companion pass. So bottom line is like the flights that he was able to get, which were, there were some nominal fees. See, when you fly through London on this thing, there's like some fees, but the savings on the flights was 18,000, you know, round trip. Um, cause the way that works is round trip. And then he found a, in Switzerland, there was like a park Hyatt, um, hotel. It was like 25,000 points chase nights per night. And like a lot of people, including myself would go on like the chase travel portal and like start booking. And then at that point, like you're, you're probably looking at like 150,000 points to like use it directly. Like he knew, okay, if you transfer it to Hyatt and then book directly through Hyatt, it's 25,000 points a night. And the cash price of that hotel, New Year's Eve, like when we were staying there, it was like $1,500 a night cash. So then we stayed there like four nights. It was like flights, 18 grand, hotel, six grand, all free, like $24,000 like that because um, of the tips and the tactics. And the tips and the tactics were awesome. I'm hooked and I'm, I'm like co- totally convicted in the credit card game. But then I think it's really cool because initially your company was just teaching people and now it's actually like booking, like making dreams come a reality, which is really cool. And I'm actually right. I just realized one of the, uh, I do the companion pass every year on British Airways and one of them expires January 30th. So I'm like, I'm talking to your team. You probably don't even know this behind the scenes. Like, <laughs> I don't, where do we go? Like, I don't want this thing to go to waste. So it's like between Morocco or I think like, um, I don't like Paris. That's probably not, I shouldn't have said that, but I don't like Paris. Uh, it's okay. Um, mm. but we're thinking about Paris or, um, I think Amsterdam or something like that, but yeah, it's all, it's all happening behind the scenes, like all the flights. So it's super cool. I'm so glad you guys, um, and hopefully people take more advantage of that. Cause that, that's incredible. Cause points can go basically dollar, like, what is it? Like a thousand point or a hundred thousand points equals a thousand dollars. Yeah. About one cent a point is a good benchmark. But there's these deals like business class flights, hotels that you can like six to 10 X them in some cases, if you redeem them. Right. So the redeeming is like the artwork of the game. How, um, so talk, let, let's talk about that. Cause I think a lot of people would say, Oh, is that really worth it? So like, how do you, how, how do you, your team have this network and this expertise, um, that people can plug into as far as like getting those redemption values, like let's say two X, five X, even 10 X sometimes. Yeah, that really comes from the structure of how points and miles work. The way that most airlines tend to approach this is that they're going to make the process difficult, right? Their, their game is is almost like the Chuck E. Cheese model. They want you to, to chase the tickets. Uh, they'll make it easy to earn because it's it's fun and you, you know it makes humans go crazy and, and be loyal and, and do all the things they want to do. But when you go to redeem them, it's always a challenge. It's like a puzzle that you you have strange rules that you've never heard of before. But they always leave small, like super high end loopholes open so that when they advertise, they can say like, oh yeah, hundred thousand points. Like that'll be a business class flight to Morocco. What that they don't say is like, if you know exactly where to look and when to book and like how to finagle this whole system. So most people won't ever encounter that, but, but we will. So we almost feel like, like card, card counters in a casino. Like we're the ones who can tell you like all the behind the scenes, like here's, here's how to play perfect strategy. So you are correct. Most people can learn this uh, with enough effort. Uh, it takes a lot of time. And if you're a business owner or you have kids or like you just live life, you probably don't have a lot of that time. Uh, but we do. And we have a lot of experience because uh, we've seen most of these situations before. So when you have X number of points with these various programs and you want to go to this destination, we've probably booked that flight 10 times before for other people. We know which airlines to look on, how partner word bookings work. And we're just, we're kind of the ones that know all the rules and we're ready to pounce uh, when the timing is right. So just makes it easy. I actually, I use the service myself, even though I, I know a lot about points and miles and yeah, it's, it's been very popular where I, w- I always laugh at our staff because we're in a unique situation where we kind of created a problem. Like we, we launch a business, we teach people how to earn a bunch of points. Suddenly all those people need help redeeming them. And, and then we productize the solution. <laughs> you know, we're like, we're like TSA pre-check like, Hey, security is really hard. Pay us to make it easier. We're the ones who made security hard by the way. Uh, so uh, we get to check out of that, but it really helps take all the thinking out of it. You know, you just get everyday normal folks who are living normal lives who wouldn't necessarily say that they are, are dramatically more intelligent than the average person, but we try to make this process easy so they can you get guys all live the it, breathe it. You exactly. Live it, live it, breathe it. Okay. So I just put up the email on my phone from your team. 
So here, here's the options. I'm going to ask you live. What would you do? What would Bryce <laughs> do? Because you've been everywhere. So uh, there's we can go to Japan, the Tokyo. Um, we could do Morocco or Istanbul, Turkey or Egypt. Those are I'm going Japan. It has to be before January 30th. We have oh, to so leave before is, January 30th. Like this is like if we do and it'll be like a short trip, like it'll be like a working trip, you know, four or five days. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's challenging. Cause like all else being equal, I think Japan wins that one by a landslide. However, it's winter. Uh, it's a quick trip. Japan's very far away. And, hmm, and we got to do it. But Japan was really cool though. Japan is, is probably the coolest place I've ever been. It's, it's the most really? different. Yeah. I feel like you go to, like you go to Europe and, and every city in Europe is, is a different flavor of the same thing, right? You have old churches, you have castles, you have art, yeah, right. you have food that is like carb based, uh, with like some sort of cream on it. And it's like just different varieties of that same thing. Japan is just this total shift where it's like, Hey, this culture has been, feels like it's just so much older than anything you've ever encountered. Like you, you see restaurants and bars that are 400 years old traditions that are just very different from what we do here. The food and is they still look perfect, right? Cause like Kaizen, that Kaizen mentality, like yes. everything is the clean. You could eat off the streets. I think you told me that. I think it's so clean. Yes. It's so immaculately clean. It's just, I don't When I came home from Japan, it, it, it just felt like you, you rethink everything around you. You're like, wow. wait, why do we do it this way? Because it seemed way more efficient with the way that they were doing it this way in Japan. It's just, it's neat, but okay. it's very far away. <laughs> gotcha. uh, so, so maybe yeah. it'd be for a longer trip. Okay. Yep. Well, um, well, so let's talk about, so obviously like most of our viewers are like high income earner, like they basically have a couple of attributes, like right? they're high income earners or, or if they're retired, they were retired from stressful jobs. They probably put a lot of this travel stuff, um, behind them. So they're definitely like the retired clients that we work with have are eager to travel. It's a very common thing we see. Um, they put off life typically, but then we also have the, um, the kind of the perspective with like our physician or executive clients are very, very low on time. Um, that also, but also understand like how I feel like the gener- the younger generation kind of has a perspective. I don't want to wait till I'm 65 for my bucket list. I'm going to do that now and kind of balance this out, um, which is great. So if you were to say someone has very little time, like, um, and I figured this out. I was, I convinced a neurosurgeon that was making a million dollars a year. Like this is worth your time to spend one hour a month on because like, we're going to this dream vacation that you just said, that's going to cost 50,000. We're going to do it for free if you, because of how high your income and expenses and bonuses are. So if someone's really low in time, like what general recommendations would you have to keep it simple and for them to get started, but basically like an 80, 20 analysis, like what's the 20% of they can do to the shortcuts they can do and already a, a shortcut thing and get the majority of the results. Yeah. And that's a great question because one of the more common reasons why we see people not start this hobby is because they hear kind of conversations like what we're having right now. It sounds like it's a very advanced thing that requires a lot of time and effort. And if they don't have it, they're like, yeah, I'm not even going to start. But the reality is 80, 20 works wonderfully in this hobby, especially if you're uh, you know, a, a higher income earner and have a higher level work and expand, or maybe you own a business. The fact that you are spending more money on credit cards means that this will be easier for you and that small tweaks will have much, much bigger gains. So to answer your question, uh, I would, I would spend just a little bit of time choosing some credit cards that are going to work for you long-term, uh, so that you don't have to constantly be doing the like cycling thing that I described kind of early in my days, constantly opening new cards, switching your bills, et cetera. You don't have time for that. So I'd, I'd get yourself set up with cards that are in transferable points. A few popular options, Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, uh, American Express Platinum or American Express Gold. There's a business version of all those cards that I just described. I would say just get like maybe two of them. Maybe get like a Chase Sapphire Preferred to use for your personal. Maybe get an American Express Business Gold or Platinum for your business. Just start using those for all expenses. And then you're going to have valuable points accruing without you even thinking about it. So if you're, if you're sitting there using like an airline card or a kind of a basic cashback card, just upgrading to, to one of those cards I mentioned is going to make a big difference over time. And then as those points kind of add up without even thinking about it, you'll be in a position where when it's time to take that trip, you'll have lots of options available to you and hopefully a sizable amount of points. You know, we, we of course can help with our award booking team, or if you, if you're more budget conscious or want to try to do it yourself, I would just YouTube search it. Just, I have chase points. I want to go to Japan and go. 
there's a fair amount of tutorials out there that can help. Um, but that one act of, but you're, of if someone's artists, making that much money low on time, I mean, I don't know what your booking service costs like offhand. Yeah, it's like it's 200 bucks a passenger. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, if someone's really, I mean, one hour of their time is worth a thousand bucks. It's like, okay. Or 500 bucks, two hours. They pay that. The stress is off. You guys search it, find the awards, find how to maximize and can actually like book it in some cases. Right. If you, provide- uh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, we draw a line at, we, we never want to, uh, take like someone's login info. Like we don't want that data anywhere. We don't want to gotcha. store it. We don't. Yeah. So you get to the finish like, line and say, Hey, yes. you log into your account. Here's the legs. Here's everything done. Yep. We record a screen video, like click here, click here, click here. So you just follow simple prompts and then there's no concern over like data security or anything like that. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Make it super easy, but. Um, yeah. And, and, and you're right. You kind of, you jump to the, to the end point that we try to get people to, I, I feel like I always tell people like, you can go out and try it yourself and there are tutorials and that's true. And if you're like 99% of people, you're going to realize it's hard and then you're going to come and book with us. But if you don't do that first step, you're going to, you'll, you'll forever think like, oh, I just paid someone 200 bucks and they hopped on Google flights to book me a trip. Like it, it's, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes and to know that helps, but yeah, most people end up there. So, um, Okay. I want to go through some objections with you because I hear as a financial advisor. Um, but before we do that, so real quick, so getting the new cards, obviously everyone has like this alluring bonus you're going to earn. If you're a high income and if you put your expenses on there and obviously the responsible way of doing this is, you know, you're, you're spending the same amount of money that you would without the card, paying it mm-hmm. off, et cetera, building your credit. You're going to have tons and tons of points. Now for someone to lower income earner, the, the hack around it would be to all, open up multiple cards get multiple bonuses, get as many points as possible. Because, um, you know, just an example, like if I, let's say it's it's me, I open up one card and I put over a year $20,000 on it. And so the f- first 5,000, I earned 100,000 bonus on it. And then the next 15,000, I basically earned another 15,000 points. Because after that, it's almost a one-to-one ratio. If there's there's a science I know between like dining out and there's, you can multiply the points. But just to keep the math simple, 115,000 versus you, hypothetically, if you had more time and spread that out over four cards, 5,000, 5,000, and earn four bonuses, you'd have the potential of earning 200 to 400,000 points depending on the – that's really the trick. But the, obviously, that option would take more time um, mm-hmm. and you have to you know basically do the calculation, is my time worth um, – and I'm a nerd, and so I've done the calculation. And if even if you're making two million dollars a year, the amount that you're going to save on doing the multiple cards, it actually is totally worth your time. Mm-hmm. The amount that you can save on the travel. So I, it, I've, it's very hard pressed unless you're like a CEO of like a Fortune 500 company that this doesn't matter what you make, this is still going to be worth your time. Would you agree with that? Com- yeah, completely agree. Like the dynamic that that's at play there with new cards is that you just get such a huge amount of value from that bonus up front. So the, the analogy I often make is, you know, imagine if it was normal in like the job world for jobs to have signing bonuses of like $80,000 and then annual salaries of like $15,000, right? Why would you ever stick around a job for more than like a few months? Like you'd get yeah. the job, get the bonus and then just keep jumping. So that, that's how credit cards work. You, you get this massive bonus for most people with like a normal spending pattern. It'll take you four to five years of normal spend to earn that same amount that you got for a bonus. And there's dozens and dozens of cards out there. So if you were just a completely logical creature with no emotions, you would just jump to a new card every month, two months, however long it takes you to earn a bonus. And yes, the, it really adds up fast that it, it's, I admit, like it's hard for most people to accept that because it just goes against so many kind of stigmas and conventions that people have been told. And it feels reckless. Uh, and, you know, for some people it is like if you, if you don't trust yourself with credit or you've had issues in the past or, or maybe you're still working on your credit score, you probably shouldn't do this, but if you just view credit cards as a payment method, you aren't carrying balances and, and never would, uh, you know, unless something really emergency comes up, it, it's just a natural kind of thing. And, and you kind of come to that realization through the same process that I went through in spring break of like, Oh, I did it once. Like, why, why wouldn't I just do that again? Okay. Do it a second time. Why wouldn't I do that a third time? And you just, you keep going to a point in which you're comfortable you know, uh, but even doing two cards, three cards a year is, is dramatically impactful. You don't have to view it as like, well, if I'm not going to do 15 or 20 cards like Bryce, it's not worth starting. Oh no, it, it definitely is. All right. Let me, just as a sample for the audience, I'm going to just say, go into my backpack here for a second. And so these, like, just to be clear for the audience, like you've taught me well, Bryce. So I have 
one card in my phone, like one card that just say Sapphire mm-hmm. Reserve card. Good that's choice. The, that's the only thing I ever use. Period. Like day to day, that's all I use. However, because of what all the wisdom you've taught me, here are all the cards. Yep. Wait, doesn't stop there. Just a couple more. Um, <laughs> there's probably ten or fifteen. That's just this year that yep. that I've opened up. And and so we'll talk about some advanced top topics here. But one of the things we do with um, so so say I, I definitely practice what I preach when it comes to credit cards. Um, and you've taught me it all, so I appreciate it. But um, so as a business owner, you have the unique way to pay taxes on a credit card. And I think this is if you're at eighty twenty analysis, like getting the greatest benefit of. Um, it's a balancing act, right? If you want to keep fees low, you have to be really careful about how many cards you have open at a time because some of them have annual fees. Um, some transactions, like to pay tax on a credit card, it pays 2%. So like I could go switch card every, like when I, as soon as I hit the bonus, I could like switch all my accounts to go on a new card, but that would take me like <laughs> a lot of time. I don't want to do that. I want to yep. keep my life as simple as possible. Now this obviously does not look simple as possible, but... Um, I only put taxes on those and I accept I'm going to pay a 2% fee to get those bonuses. And in return, I have a ton of points and I have saved my only non-renewable resource, which is my time. So that's kind of like my advanced for our audience. At least I know it's not a lot of people, you know, um, that are part of like your Facebook group, probably normal W2 jobs, et cetera. But if someone has like their own business and the ability to pay their own taxes, I think that's the time hack is there any other time hacks you have if if you're talking to like a super busy professional that's kind of like dismissing this as like a good idea? Yeah, it, and that's a great example with the taxes because that's one of the more common ones we see. Uh, that is one example of kind of the broader view that I'd encourage most people to take. And that is that anytime that you have a, a sizable expense that's coming up, that's relatively predictable, use that as a chance to open a new credit card you know, put that charge on the new credit card. Sometimes it's even like a single swipe will earn you the bonus because because most cards are going to ask for a minimum spend of three to five or six thousand dollars. But like in your case, I know I'm paying taxes every quarter. I know what date that next one's coming. A month or so ahead of that time, apply for a new card. Boom. Make sure that the minimum spend is like going to be met by your tax. And then you know you make that one purchase if you want to keep it as simple as possible. And then you put that card in your, oh, I don't know what that was, a trash can or whatever you just held my up. Bag, my backpack, yeah. Yeah. Put that on I, camera. It's okay. Yeah, I use an old like candle, like an empty candle jar. Like everyone kind of finds some knickknack to store it in. But yeah, but then you're not updating your your Netflix payment method. You're not changing like your Starbucks reload method because that you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. You just have one big charge. You earn a big bonus, you know, you pay off. And then I encourage most people to do what you do. Just use one or maybe two cards for consistent use every day. Don't overthink it. You get some folks come into this hobby and they they, they go way too far and they're carrying like 10 cards. They're standing in line at Kroger and they're like, oh, which one of these do I use for groceries? They have a little cheat sheet. And and the net impact is like, you know, half of a bonus, like after all of that work, they've gone way too far. So just, but, but for, for non-business owners or or folks who don't have quarterly tax payments and like that, you know, uh, other opportunities to look out for, like your kid needs braces or your HVAC goes out or, you need to buy a new car. Sometimes dealerships will let you put a, a portion of the down payment on a card. Basically, if you see a big expense coming, that's when you should start thinking, okay, this is a great time to open a card um, and and keep it as simple as possible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's go through some objections. So some listeners are probably like very, a lot of time when I talk through this with um, with clients, they end, always end up being 100% on board. They get excited. Like we just had a client, um, it's got a bottle of wine because they... Uh, first European trip, they went to, uh, to Spain. It was like, they're, you know, they're not retired yet, but a couple of years and, um, they were, and it was all free first class, lay flat beds. I mean, it was incredible, but it's, it's cool to, cause now as a financial advisor, just taking like your advice and saying, Hey, we're doing a Roth conversion. We're going to generate some taxes here. Let's then pay the taxes, which they were going to do anyways on a credit card of a 2% fee. We're going to pay 200 bucks and you know, boom, suddenly we're saving 10 or $15,000 in travel costs. So that's been incredible. Mm-hmm. But I get a lot of objections up front. So I want to get your perspective, <laughs> the master of the, the this game, of the points game to answer. Because I don't think my answers are probably nearly as good as yours. So I'm just going to act like I'm a new a newbie here. So Bryce, this all sounds great, but I, I, I've got a great credit score. And I like, isn't this going to ruin my credit score? 
and spot on, but it's by far like the most common objection. The first thing people say, short answer is no. In most cases, this, this will actually be the best thing you ever do for your credit score, but it comes down to kind of a misunderstanding that most people have about what credit scores are and, and how they work. I think most people view credit score and they think it's some sort of proxy of financial health, right? Like if I get a raise and I put more money in my bank account and open a 401k, that's going to help my credit, right? No, none, none of that has any impact on your credit. Your credit score is not a measure of financial health or a proxy for it. Your credit score is just a grade of how well you've used credit in the past. So I, it's important to kind of make that distinction. You can have a great credit score and your financial life can be a mess. You can have a rock solid financial life, the Dave Ramsey crowd, and your credit score is horrible because you've never used it before. So these are two completely different things. Uh, speaking generally, anything that's going to have you using more credit responsibly is going to help your score. And anything where you're either using less credit or, or not at all, or you know missing payments, it's kind of using irresponsible, harms your score. So even points and miles aside, I do some work with credit repair folks. The fastest way to improve and, and build an amazing credit score is to open quite a bit of credit and use just a little bit of it, always making the payments on time. So it, it just comes down to kind of this disconnect. And there's a lot of half-truths in credit. People people will say, okay, if you open a new credit card, that, that dings your score. And, and that is correct. But it misses the second part of that fact, which is, that ding is temporary when you open the card, but having an additional credit card and making more on-time payments actually helps. So it's it's kind of like saying, if you go to the gym, it makes you weaker. Yes, like when you walk out of the gym, you are physically weaker than when you went in, but no one would argue going to the gym makes one weaker, right? It just misses that second part. Most credit myths work just like that. There's a half-truth up front. People see that headline um, and they, they miss the second part. Okay. Um... Yeah, you know that a lot better than I do, but so true. And then like the, I just speaking from experience, like my credit score, I don't know when I met you, it was like seven fifty, and now it's like consistently over eight fifty. And if like you look at like I open and close like ten cards a year, then it's rock solid. And I think you told me this, but I know you wrote a whole book on like how to repair your credit as well, which has been incredibly mm -hmm. helpful um, as well because we've had some like clients, kids you know, miss a student loan payment, just ruins your score. And like, here's a couple of tactics of how to like repair it, uh, which has been awesome. So, um, I, and, I think and, I lost my to train double of click on that. If I could, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. went in like a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dave's, uh, yeah, definitely the other side of the, of the spectrum of, of what we teach here, but it, to, to, to double click on that, we, we hear those stories a lot too, of like, Oh, I, mi I missed a payment. It kind of wrecked my score. And yeah, missing a payment is, is definitely going to hurt anyone's score. But the reason why it can be so detrimental to some people is because they just don't have much else going on in their credit, mm. almost like a GPA. Like if you have only ever taken two college classes and in one of them you get a D, it's going to wreck your you're GPA. Done. Yeah. Right. But if you view credit cards like college classes, if you're taking 10 of them, 10 new ones every year, you're getting an A in all of them. If you, you know, Matt Block, you were to miss a single payment, the impact would be relatively minor because you have so much else going on to kind of pad your score and it becomes gotcha. like a, a fortress. Those are amazing analogies. Yeah, that's that's incredible. The, um, that's perfect. All right, so annual fees. So Bryce, you you're telling me to get this Chase Sapphire Reserve card. I looked up the fee, and it's like five hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> like, why right. would I ever do that? Yeah, and that were that is by far the second most common objection <laughs> that we hear. Uh, and 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 to be clear, you if anyone kind of listening who's thinking about starting out, you don't have to go right for the big guns with the. $600 annual fee cards. They offer a lot of value, but I don't expect anyone to kind of jump in with those right away. But the way that kind of the fees work, both for the annual fees or a fee for paying taxes, you kind of just have to look at the whole picture and see what is the value, not the cost. Cards that have no annual fees, then there's a lot of them, offer very little value. And they tend to trick people who come at it with a mindset of like, oh, I don't know why I'd pay for a fee for a credit card when this one has no fee. That kind of assumes that all cards are the same. Um, what you have to look at instead is the value, which would be like the total benefits or the total savings, however you want to define it, minus any fees that you pay. So if a card has no annual fee, bonus is 50 bucks, maybe the rewards are going to give you another $25 in cash back, whatever per year, that card has a $75 value. Chase Sapphire Reserve, you pay a $550 fee. The bonus alone is worth over $750 of travel. You're going to earn a few hundred bucks a year in points. It has lounge access. It actually has an annual travel credit. There's a lot more going on 
But when you, when you subtract total value you get out of that card per year, minus the $550 fee, that gap, that profit, if you will, is going to be much, much higher. So it's kind of pay more to get more. That's a hard thing to understand at first. I encourage most people to start with like a, like a Chase Sapphire Preferred is great. It's got a $95 annual fee. That's mm-hmm. like just enough for most people. Like, okay, I'll try that. And then you see how much value you get for that. And you're like, oh, now I get it. I understand why people pay fees. So yeah, just piggybacking like that. Cause you taught me that. So $300 airline credit, which obviously I use. So you know, I use that card for everything. So that's now we're down to 250 free for me. I was speaking to a lot of clients that are busy. Uh, free DoorDash delivery. Yep. I yep, mean, let's not lie. That probably saves that. me like a thousand dollars a year just Same. alone <laughs> right there in the DoorDash. Yep. Then it's like free pre-check. And then the lounge is like, if you're traveling and you're in like one of these fancy lounge, I mean, it's just a different experience for sure. Um, it's hard and to go then back. Yeah. What happened recently is like you, you know, every time you're traveling, you use this as like your, um, you taught me this as well. You, you, you put it down as a car rental. You don't need to buy any kind of insurance. It's covered through that card. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, could be a, a hundreds of a year in savings. And then, um, well, this is, let me not jump the gun here. So the third objection, the most stop, cause I think we've, we've talked about so many things to handle a lot of the objections. The third one is like fraud. Isn't, isn't, aren't I opening myself up if I have all these accounts open for, for fraud? Like I feel like I'm not going to be protected and someone could steal my mm-hmm. identity or, or some really bad stuff could happen. Yeah. That's, and that's a great concern. It's, it's one that we hear pretty frequently. Here's how to kind of think about fraud with like having more cards open. Yes. You're putting yourself kind of at, at greater risk because you're just more exposed. There's, you have more cards out there. You have kind of more opportunities for someone to, to steal your information uh, it's something that people should definitely be aware of. The The first thing I always counter with this is to say like, okay, credit card fraud kind of feels scary. It kind of feels like money is being stolen from you. But like, I don't know, have you ever had your card stolen or like realized like, oh, my info is compromised. Like, have you gone through that process before? Uh, it happens like once a year to me. Yeah, but like same. Uh, the, yeah, I don't want to jump the gun on the answer, but it's, it's, the experience is incredible. It's so easy. Right. Because like, I always say that and people are like so terrified of their credit card number. So yeah, but if someone steals it, like what actually happens? You you log into your bank, you you click like usually two buttons. Like, hey, that that wasn't my chart. I didn't buy $500 of stuff from a Walmart in Omaha. Click, not my card. And, for, and in most cases, there's a new card in the mail and you'll have it like in one to two days. Any charges that weren't yours are erased. The whole process takes, and I'm not even exaggerating, like three minutes. Like mm-hmm. just click the charges that aren't yours they're gone. You have a new card. So it's like, there's really no risk of you losing money. If someone, if compromises your credit card and uses it to buy things, it happens. It's actually becoming more rare in my experience. Anecdotally, I think like cards that are using like uh, chip technology or, or just tap to pay are, are much harder to, to steal. So it happens, but when it does, it's not a big deal, but the identity theft thing, that is a concern. Uh, the, the analogy I make for identity theft is it's like cavities. If you are regularly checking up and you catch something early, it is super easy to fix. But cavities are most dangerous to the people who haven't been to the dentist in five years. And then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, this has been festering for a long time and now you need yeah. a root canal. So when you're kind of actively opening cards, kind of playing the credit card game, if you will, you are much more aware of kind of what's going on with your credit score because you're going to get a copy of it every time you open a new card and, and you, you'll spot anything coming from a mile away. Uh, identity theft is exceptionally rare these days in most cases it happens from data hacks from like large stores like doesn't matter how many credit cards you have open when someone hacks targets database like you're you're in trouble anyway nothing to do with cards right so yeah um and it's relatively easy to get in front of uh yes and i i would further that price because like if you're a lot of banks debit cards don't protect that so like if someone's oh, stealing your card, card dangerous. like yeah. you're, 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 you're done. Like that, that money was actual money that was yours. That's now was stolen from you. And, and most, some banks won't give that back. I mean, some big banks will a credit card. It's, you know, good credit cards. Get, it's like done like that. Just like you said. So it's credit card spending is the safest possible spending. And I'm going to further back up the strategy you taught me as far as like keeping the one card for the purchases and then doing the mm-hmm. other ones just for like the bonuses. The nice thing about these, I spot check them once a month is like after I put the taxes on them and pay it off and earn the points and I keep it open for, you know, the year, which you also taught me to then cancel it and then reapply five or seven years later to get the bonus again. Mm-hmm. But, um, the, these should read zero. If they don't read zero, I know my, <laughs> the card got compromised. And so then that makes my decision fatigue so simple 
be and and I don't have decision fatigue because then I go into the one car that I have transaction, I spot check it once a month. And exactly. I spot check these to make sure they read zero and that's it. It's really um not time consuming at all. Um and I it, hope to God if my if it is stolen, it's a credit card, not my bank, because then I know it's gonna be easy to fix. Yeah, your bank would be tough. Yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned. I'll I'll give you a tip that can help you make that one step easier. Uh just turn on purchase alerts. Like you can have any bank will like text you like, Hey, if, if this gotcha. card is used, I want you to text me. And then you don't even have to worry about spot checking for zero. If you get a text from, Hey, capital one is wondering if you're spending $500 in the Walmart in Omaha, you can usually just reply and no, that's not me. Boom. Or a lot of times we'll proactively catch this stuff. It'll be like, Hey, it looks like someone stole your card. Cause they're making these purchases that are completely out of your normal pattern of behavior. Well, we'll we shut it down and new ones in the mail. That's, that doesn't happen with debit cards. It's someone's actually in your bank account, taking your money. You might not get it back, or if you do, it's going to be out for a long period of time, and the burden is really on you to go get your money back. Whereas if someone steals your credit card, they're actually stealing the bank's money. Like that's not yours. So it's yeah, like, okay, it's it's so much easier. Seeing people pay with debit cards almost just feels like dangerous. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, it's you know, I, yeah. I uh, I say when I when I take money out, it's it's usually because I'm. I mean, when I use a debit card, it's because I'm taking cash out, which means like I'm at a place I'm mad about because they don't accept the card. Usually yep. it's on a golf course, like tipping a caddy or something like that. Yep. Or like in um, Europe somewhere, some cafe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, just off, off the topic for a second, because you've written a book on this and then obviously just naturally you're, you're an expert in these different subjects. So I want to ask you two questions. So first thing I know, like read the book is going to be your answer. But like if, if I, w- if we were at like a, like uh, getting coffee or something. And I was like a, a 60 year old doctor with a, my daughter just got through college and her identity got, or no, not the identity. She missed a school loan payment. She's in her like her 600s now. And I just want three simple tips to help her get her credit improved as quickly as possible. What are those, those three tips? Yeah. So the, the first thing is to, to send a goodwill letter. So if there's kind of two, uh, different types of missed payments that I categorize. There's ones that are what I'd call administrative error. Like I, the bank, I set up the payment. I didn't hit submit or, you know, I kind of forgot to pay it. That's, that's easier to fix. The other one is I just don't have enough money. I can see this payment coming a long way away and I have to kind of choose which ones to make. And I can't make that one. If you're in that situation, that that's a broader financial concern. That's hard to get out of. So I'm going to focus primarily on the first one. Cause that's what you usually see. The best first step is to send something called a goodwill letter. It's kind of just like a, I'm sorry, please forgive me. It, you can just Google goodwill letter template. And it's like mad gabs. You just fill out what's your name, what happened. You just say like, Hey, uh, forgot to make my student loan payment. I've been paying this for X number of years. Like, can you just forgive me on this one and, uh, remove that from my credit report? And I'd say 60% of time just a, Oh yeah, sure. Sorry about that. Awesome. That's number one. But then number two, assuming that doesn't work out, you can just uh, overwhelm it with positive credit. So if you have like a, a, a younger student, the best thing you could do is add them as an authorized user to one of your cards, ideally an older card. There's kind of this loophole in credit reporting where they have to pretend that that's that person's card. So if you're 60 years old, you've had an American Express card for 25 years, you add your 19 year old daughter as an authorized user to that card, suddenly she ha- she has 25 years of credit history, even if she's not 25 years old, they, they have to consider that hers. So just I want to go through a quick to, role play here, but I don't want my daughter yeah. like spending all this money to take her friends out to, you don't they know have I'm to a doctor, the card. they don't have money. I don't want say that again. Yeah. She never has to use the card. You never have to give it to her. Just gotcha. adding her. Yeah. That, well, on a future episode, I'll talk to you through like how there's that weird circumstance came to be, but yeah, just adding them. They never have to use it. Um, there's no risk to your credit. Like if you add someone to your credit card as an authorized user who has the worst credit score in history, as long as you know, don't give them the card. It, that can't impact you at all. It's a one-way relationship. And instantly you create all this credit history for that person and then maybe have her open one or two cards on her own. And that we're just kind of, you know, we got, a, we had a bad freshman semester of GPA. We, we got a D in a class. Let's take five classes that are easy A's. Let's, that's how you bring it back up. Boost it up. That makes total yeah. sense. Okay. And it's counterintuitive. Everyone runs because it's like, Oh, Hey, I had this small credit problem. And, and I'm people like me are like, the solution is more credit. And they're just like, no, like swear it off. And they don't realize that by stopping there, that they've actually just solidified the, the, the pain. So these are 15 minutes, five minutes. You write a goodwill letter. You Google the template, five minutes, you log in line, add an authorized user. Yep. You should do that anyway. Card. Really? That's one yeah. of the best like gifts you can give like a young person financially is you, you effectively start them on third base credit wise by 
adding them awesome. to one or two of your cards. Yeah. And then five minutes, you, you know, you help her get a, uh, him or her a new a new credit card. So if if my daughter, like hypothetically, that nineteen year old daughter had like bad credit, what credit card would be the best to most likely to get approved? Uh, discover it. Discover yeah, we always it. Send, just discover tends to be the best for folks who don't have any credit. That's kind of like their place in the market. If you have never had a credit card before and you go apply for one of these high end travel cards, you're probably going to get declined. Uh, but but do you know getting declined for a card doesn't you're not penalized for that credit wise? I always tell people it's like uh, a, a missed shot in basketball. You didn't score points, but like you don't lose points. You just, or it's like in the GPA, it. it's like you drop the class like a month in because you know exactly. you're going to get a D and then it doesn't count yeah. for the GPA. Gotcha. There, yeah. There's no downside of trying. So like awesome. really just don't be afraid of credit is kind of a general theme here. Like applying for cards, getting declined, it doesn't really matter. In fact, I'll, I'll give you my three simple rules of credit, credit score. This is all you ever have to know about credit to get a bulletproof credit score. Never miss a payment. Even if it's just a minimum, never miss payment. Get way more credit than you need, like outrageously way more credit than you need. Keep your single oldest card open, just the single oldest, and nothing else matters. Inquiries wow. don't matter. That's powerful. Utilization doesn't matter. If you do those three things, you do those over time, you're going to have great credit. Awesome. 80-20 analysis on the credit score. I love it. All right. So um, just because I know you have such a big network here, this is totally off topic. But if you're um, – I'll just say mine. My identity just got stolen. I call you up. I say, Bryce, what are just, I'm low on time. I'm scared though. What are three things I can do immediately? First thing you should do if you notice your identity stolen is that you should get copies of your credit reports. You get one free one from each bureau per year. I think the website is like annualcreditreport.com. It actually looks like a business, but it's a government. And you, you get copies of your credit report and, and comb through those and look for anything that doesn't look familiar you know, uh, a bank account open in, in a city you've never been to, credit lines that you don't recognize. And for anything that you don't recognize, you need to contact whatever financial institution that is and just tell them, I don't have this account. Um, th that will start them on the process of, okay, what happened? We'll start on doing it. You you can also formally tell the credit bureaus like, hey, that that's not my account. And then the burden goes on to them to work with the financial institution and fix it. it from there, it's, it's an easier process than it sounds like because uh, they see this a lot and they're not going to challenge the fact that like if, if you sitting in Pittsburgh or like, Hey, uh, you know, bank of, uh, you know, Anaheim, I, I don't have a, a credit card with you. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like it makes sense. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what to do. Like j just get in touch, communicate as much as possible, letting them know kind of what's going on. Uh, and, and most importantly to stop the bleeding. Um, a lot of times if there is an identity theft, uh, situation. It's not as if the the individual who's doing this swoops in, opens accounts, and then stops. They'll usually keep going. Like they, they try to like outpace you. So you'll want to put a freeze on your credit, which you can do just by contacting a credit bureau. Um, and that means want... no, they can't open up any new accounts, right? If Theoretically, you yes. Okay. Yeah, it's not like perfect. There's ways that criminals can kind of get around that. But yeah, banks. If your credit is pulled, there's one more check step they have to go through to ensure that it's actually you. Gotcha. Um, but usually when, when the credit bureaus are aware of kind of those that's happening, they have their own measures in place and they, they stop the bleeding. And then the individual who knows that like you're onto them generally moves on to someone else. It's protecting identity theft is just, a, it's kind of like your house. It's just, you don't have to have a, the best locks and fortress and all kinds of stuff. You just have to have better locks than the average person and criminals will go elsewhere. It's, it's gotcha. the same with identity theft. Keep an eye on your kids. Uh, like uh, one of the most ripe targets for identity theft is like an 18 year old who isn't watching their credit at all, uh, but is old enough to open accounts and, and, you know, generally not paying attention to these things. Uh, so keep an eye out on your kids um, and, and, and including uh, identity theft from people that, you know, in, in a lot of situations I see it's from, it's from someone, a family member or a, a practitioner who is on hard times and got their social from their medical charge. Like, you know, it's, it's usually something like that, but I also feel obligated to say identity theft is exceptionally rare. I think, if you ask the average person, like how many people are, are impacted by identity theft every year, they probably tell you it's like 20 to 30%. And in my experience, it's like very low single digit percentages. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, not there's a difference between person. someone getting your credit card number and I stealing your ID. Yeah. Totally different. And so just to add to that, like from like a financial advisor perspective, like you can easily, like we use, we love Fidelity as a custodian. We use Charles Schwab as well, but like, we can freeze your account so no money movement can go out. That's happened to several clients recently. And we've just, you know, it's temporary, it's easy to lift. Uh, that way no one's getting a hold of like your big assets as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would add that as an important step. But so 
Um, well, a couple of questions before we close out. So Bryce, what's the most, what's your favorite trip you've ever taken? One, and then it doesn't have to be the same trip, but secondly, what's the most amount of money you've saved using credit card points on a trip? <laughs> these, these might end up being the same thing, right? Um, hmm, that's a great question. It's, it's one that I, I get a lot of course, and it, it's difficult to answer because trips are also different, but I, I'm you've not been everywhere. use that to dodge free. it that well, that too. And like, and a lot of it's kind of like contextual, you know, if you travel, my first ever trip to Paris with my wife flying economy on points was incredible because I had never experienced anything like that before. And it was free and like, we'd never been to Europe and it's amazing. You know, how do you compare that to the last, my last trip to Europe this past summer with my family, we flew Emirates first class, like the one with the showers on the plane, there's a bar and like we, I eat caviar and stuff, right? Economy versus shower and first class. You'd think like these don't compare at all, but like there's something about the context that changes it. But yeah, most money I've ever saved would be the, the Emirates trip this past summer. We flew, uh, we flew business class to, to Europe on Air France, we being my family of five. So that adds up quick. That would have been like $22,000 in tickets. And then on the way home, we flew Emirates first class, which is arguably the best commercial airline product on earth. There's a spa on the plane with a shower. There's a bar in the plane. There's Dom Perignon everywhere. I had two servings of caviar. Those tickets go for fifteen to 20000 a piece. And I had, I had four of them plus a lap infant on points. So okay. you know, that's a multi six-figure trip. Um, that was just incredible to be, to be flying on that product lie flat with like my three-year-old who's sitting there. Like with you her. saved a hundred thousand, yeah. you had a hundred thousand dollars worth of flights, like probably more for free, just using points. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, there's, a, there's a distinction we made, you know, I didn't save a hundred thousand in the sense that like I have a hundred thousand You wouldn't have spent dollars. that. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't have spent exactly. that to get go. But yeah, I like it's quoting value. and neither would I have. I would be cheap and flying like, mm-hmm. I would buy the, uh, the, uh, the seat, you know what I mean? Like the, by the bathroom, if I could, if it was cheaper, right. but if it's points, I'm, I'm first class. And, and then free. you use the extra to splurge. Like you, when you get to Europe, it's like, yeah, do we want to upgrade to suite? Like, yes, we do. Because like, we would have paid all this money for flights and you know, yeah, you kind of have like this house money advantage, but I'm sure you'll experience this at some point soon with your daughter too. But like seeing like your three, four, five year old, like know how to behave in first class. Like, you know, my, my oldest Colette, she's seven. She struts right in, sits down, opens the amenity kit. She knows what she's doing. Like, reclines your seat to the good spot. It's just like, this is incredible. Like she, you know, we're awesome. giving them a lifestyle that, that is, you know, is just very memorable. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Um, well, what's, what are your top three trip, like top three destinations that you have done? And then what are the top three destinations that are still on the bucket list? Yeah, that's a great question. I think top three that I have done in, in no particular order. I think Italy is maybe the best like region or country or however you want to find it. To, to visit on the, on earth. They, the food is incredible. The weather's incredible. They have beaches, they have history that is much older than everything around it and, and way more advanced. Uh, you just, it's hard to not be smiling when you're in Italy. I think Japan would be up there for number two, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, it's just so different in so many just amazing and unique ways. Um, there's tons of high end options for flights and hotels. It's very doable with points. Uh, Japan would be two. I'd probably say South Africa three. Um, yeah, South Africa was awesome. Yeah. You, Cape you've Town. been right. Yeah. Cape Town, yeah. I think we, you went right before me. I might've gone because you went on a points trip and sent me pictures and it was like, this is amazing. And I was like, all right, yeah, we replicated most of that trip. So yeah, just the I'm cost safari of is like and certainly low and it is. Yeah. And like, just to see like animals, like up close, like we were, you know, six feet from a lion that could have eaten me. You know, it was, it's incredible. The co- and the cool thing about that city is you have like a mountain, it's like, I think it's like a seventh one of the world tabletop mountain. You have mm-hmm. a vibrant city with like all kinds of awesome food and culture. And then you also have like your ocean front. You have like mm-hmm. three things. That's so like Den. It's like Denver or not Denver. Like, I don't know. Aspen, Colorado, like New York, like not like not New York city, like a mini like city. And then you're also like ocean front. So it's like all three of those things in one place. It's so cool. Yeah. And I, I always have a soft spot for de- like destinations that have, uh, transition cultures massively multiple times. Cause you get these beautiful mashups of like, Oh, the Dutch had it for a very long time. And of, of course they're not original to the space. And so their culture blends with South African culture blends with British colonial culture. And then you get these amazing overlaps and just this, I don't know, vibes that, that can't be replicated elsewhere. And something you taught so, me as well is like a lot of the travel, like it's so, I felt, I don't know about you. I felt so safe there. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like some new social media, like, it's not safe to go to these countries. Like 
I feel safer there than I do like walking to my car. Like same. after we hit, yeah. Yeah, so. it's any place. You know, people find headlines and fear mongering and it's easy to say it's not safe. But it, what changes your mind is when you talk to locals from other countries and when you say you're from America, they're like, oh my God, it sounds so unsafe there. And you're like, what? No, yeah. it's not safe. Yeah. Like, if you go to New York, are you going to be like shot? I, I guess maybe like, you know, to them, yeah. that's a completely strange concept. So yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, on my bucket list, uh, highest up is New Zealand. Just looks gorgeous, incredible. Um, hard to do with kids though. I feel like my bucket list has to change at three I, young daughters. Bryce, I hate so, to say this, but your team literally planned a trip for, for me to New Zealand in 2024. <laughs> Not to rub it oh, in, but your oh, team- it's still happening? Okay. Yeah, your team planned it, so. Well, this is easy because I can just email and be like, hey, give me what Matt Block is having. <laughs> um, yeah, we're excited yeah, about that yeah, New Zealand, uh, Singapore has been high on my list. A lot of great flights to and from there that you can do on points and miles. Um, I think I'd like to go back to Africa, not to South Africa. I want to go to like Kenya or, or do one of the more adventurous safaris that's a little bit more remote. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be at a place where I've traveled most places on earth that I've like really wanted to go. And at this point, I'm kind of reaching to like, yeah, okay, it'd be cool to go there. But yeah, I, I've done a lot of things I want to do and, and that feels great. And points awesome. and miles are the reason that that happened. Well, uh, Bryce, I'm sure there's be a lot of interested, uh, you know, individuals, couples, et cetera, that want to learn more and get into this. So where can, where can everyone find you? Um, and you know, where, yeah, where do they find the resources? What are the next steps? Yeah. Everything starts at 10 X travel.com 10, the number like one zero X travel.com free course, you know, start there. I would encourage anyone to, to, to join our Facebook group. We're, actually, we're, we're approaching 300,000 people in there now. It, it has completely open posting. Like anyone can hop in and post immediately. It's not like a bunch of rules and, and regulations on that. And, but most importantly, when you hop in there, you, you see thousands of interactions, kind of like the one we're having now. Success you, stories. Like, success stories. But like a lot of people replicate. Like if you want to go yeah. to New Zealand, you know, you'll, you'll be scrolling through one day and someone will be like, hey, I just got back from, from New Zealand. Here's exactly how I did it. It's like, sweet, there's my blueprint. You know, my, yeah. my trip to Thailand that I wrote about way back when has been copied hundreds and hundreds of times. The exact same booking, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Who, you know, who wouldn't want to? You see it and it's so doable. So just being in there and kind of floating around, you know, you can ask questions and get specific answers. But more importantly, you just kind of watch how people do this over and over and you learn from that, from that repetition. So start there. Uh, uh, the know, the and, booking service is directly on the 10X Travel website as that's well. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, right at the top. There's a, a button called award booking. And really, if you're, even if you're not what we call like a points and miles junkie, you might just have accidentally owned a business for 20 years and been using an American express platinum card. And you're like, yeah, I got a 2 million Amex points. And I didn't even know what these are worth. We can help, you know, we, we can come in Absolutely. and help you get so much more value out of those than, than you probably ever imagined. So well, Bryce, yeah, you've obviously, you've provided so much value. So I just want a quick plug here. So obviously 10 travelcom one of the you have an incredible team um, that obviously like the company, you know, you guys have to generate the revenue to pay for and everything like that. So just to continue the value, encourage everyone like their 10 X travel is paid through the affiliate links that Bryce described at the beginning of this episode. But you know, when you're, if you're considering a card, go to the, go to his website, use those links to sign up for the cards and then, you know, sign up for the Facebook group. Cause you're going to get so much uh, good free insight there. Go, go through the free courses. And then obviously the booking service will be the only thing you have to pay for and, and evaluate that if that's worth your, you know, the money for me, I've evaluated. It's like, the stress, the time, um, getting the most, the max amount of the points. I mean, those three factors really for me, I'll, I'll never book a trip, um, overseas without using your service. Uh, I can, I'm skilled enough. I can book a Southwest trip to Florida by myself. I'm not that dumb, <laughs> but yeah, any, anything that's like, um, overseas or is not through Southwest basically. I, I would, I personally use I think that's a case by case basis, but definitely give that a look as well. So, yeah. Um, and thank you for saying that. And yeah, we, 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 you know, we appreciate it. We love helping people. Um, over 90% of our readers actually never pay us a dime, but we still make money on it. It's, it's like just this beautiful business model that shouldn't exist, but it does. And we're glad it does. Awesome. Well, Bryce, any closing remarks? I thank you so much for being a guest and I'm sure this will be a, a tremendous value to many, many people. Yeah. Just a, thank you for having me, you know, to anyone who's kind of mildly curious about points and miles, just give it a look, give it, one first step and you might be flying life flat to New Zealand in two years and you'll always wonder how you lived without it. But just that first step is the hardest. 
but I'm glad for folks like yourself who are making this known to as many people as possible. Kind of, I know that you build it into your practice and you tell everyone who will listen to you about it. So I appreciate that you do that. And, um, and I'm, I'm so happy to have come on the show today. I'm going to warn people once you do this, there's no going back. It's like you're, it's like you, it's like a do world that you live in and you'll, you'll, you will get hooked. I promise you that. Yeah. The, sure. There's no greater example. I feel like in my life and, and most people I, I encounter of the hedonic treadmill accelerating very quickly. than when you, <laughs> you do your points and miles and then it's like, wait a second, you know, my, my daughter, we'll board a plane to Florida on Southwest and she goes, daddy, where's first class? You know, like I, where's these seats don't even lie flat. So Yeah fun, but there's it is no going back, <laughs> no going back, but I love it. Well, thanks for joining Bryce. Greatly appreciate you. Yep. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button, uh, make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.